coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, Patrick, where are you in the transition to the holidays? Oh. It's well documented that my husband and I like right. ripped down the Halloween decorations right. and threw up the holiday stuff. That's right. Um, so, like, personally, in, in my life, uh-huh. or, well, because my my work, I'm I'm all the way in the, the holidays You're in mode. deep. I'm in deep over there. Uh-huh. Uh, but we have not changed any of the decorations in, in the house yet. We don't really decorate a lot for the holidays, even for Halloween. We've got, like, a, a little, like, probably, like, eight of these little pumpkins that we put out. Um but yeah, like really, really nothing else. The Christmas decorations will go up after Thanksgiving. Oh, got it. And is that when you allow yourself to transition into like holiday music? I'm already listening to holiday music, mm-hmm. um, and part of that again is because my work uh, is. Oh right, you're in. You're in. I'm, deep. I'm, I'm in it over there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, it's uh, it's um, um, yes, I'm, I'm I'm just in it. What about yourself? Are you listening to to Christmas music? Yeah, yet? I pretty much as soon as. And the thing is that. Um, as soon as summer is over. As soon as summer is over. Okay, like, I don't want to mislead people. I, although, <laughs> although uh, I do not consider myself mm. one of those people that, like, loves Christmas. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's just like... Um, but your Christmas tree went up on Christmas November 1st. But my Christmas tree went up on, like, yeah. <laughs> okay. November all right, 1st. All right, so, all right. so it's a, a, a delicate balance. I think people can be complex. Yes, and, that's right. Um, and so it is. While it is true <laughs> that the holiday decorations have already gone up, yep, and I'm already listening to holiday music, I do not consider myself someone who is overly into Christmas. Here's the thing: we're both getting older. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, I'm right? listening. That's that, that. That's thing number one. We're uh-huh. both getting older, okay. and I think when you get older, you just sort of like slouch into the. <laughs> <laughs> the things that bring you comfort. But I, I recall in, uh, in 2020 that we were both also like, you know what? Whatever makes me happy. Like, oh, yeah, I'm, that's I'm going to start listening to Christmas music whenever. I don't care. Um, and I think we're I think we're just not getting over that. I think we're just going to live in this like whatever, how wherever I can get happiness or comfort from at all, I'm just going <laughs> to scratch and claw into like bring any of it near to me. Speaking of my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch, would you like to scratch and claw it near to you? Uh, you you can borrow it. You can. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com and give us a mailing address. We can send you my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. When you do this, I pay for postage both ways, but I may send a copy of Untitled Goose Game in a Sonic Forces box. Uh, sorry, that's just a mischievous little part of the program. <laughs> Does it? Yeah, I actually, that's a good question. I actually, we've never really talked about like how you feel when you are uh, putting the 
untitled Goose Game box into an envelope. Do you feel a little mischievous? Mm. Do you feel a little like you're pulling, you know, like uh, a little bit of a prank? No, I mean, I feel like prankster. we're... I don't, I don't feel like a little prankster. We're pretty straightforward about it on the show, uh-huh. right? Like, I think every week, twice, every week, <laughs> we explain the entire program, including the fact that there may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there. Um, so, no, I, I do not feel like a prankster, but I understand where that impulse comes from. It's a perfect borrowing program. Get on the list. Here's another thing you can do is you can friend us on Switch. Our friend codes are in the show notes for every episode, and we would love to add you to our friend list. You can see what we're playing, uh, and the reverse is also true. I forget which uh, pronouns I use there <laughs> <laughs> to begin with, but it's a fun, good time. Uh, we like it, uh, and you could like it too. You should also get in our Discord, where it's a bunch of fun people having nice, uh, pleasant conversations about Nintendo stuff. Um, you do need to be invited, uh, and you need to uh, just let us know that you want an invitation, and we'll send it to you. So hit us up on Twitter, or email us, or whatever, and we'll be happy to let you in to the discord channel and it's okay if you're a newbie to discord um mark and i were once uh, very new to the platform as well and hey we learned we learned how to do it do we still screw up sometimes yeah but if you've used like slack for work uh-huh then you'll then be totally it's, fine. it's basically the same yeah <laughs> uh all right mark let's get into our topic let's say 10 nice things about the we you We're doing this, of course, because Friday, the 18th, is the 10-year anniversary of the release of the Wii U. Mark, can you believe it? Yeah, that's crazy. 10 years. Yeah. And I feel like, and the reason we are doing 10 nice things and only nice things. That's right. Is because I feel, you know, even on this show, it's well documented that we use failings. Oh, I see. I see. And uh, that we have documented these failings. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about them. I don't know. I don't know that we uh, uh, really did like a forensic analysis. Sure, we're not like a primary uh, <laughs> source for uh, historians to refer back to. Yes, you're correct. Right. But um, and so you know, we come not to bury the Wii U, but to praise it. That's right. Um, and you said when we sat down. Uh, and put our headphones on and put microphones up to our face. You said that. But you before f- we recorded. But before we recorded, you said this is an this was an an interesting exercise, um, to which I responded, "Was it?" <laughs> because I I look. I've been, I think, probably the the Wii U booster on this show. Right? I mean, I didn't. I, you I didn't, didn't own one. I didn't own a Wii U. <laughs> um, I did own a Wii U. I enjoyed my Wii U. Um, I uh, like a lot of games. On this was not a a uh, a tricky proposition for me. I have more than ten in case we overlap, um, and not because I was like, come on, Patrick, think of some more. I was just like, oh, and I like this about it. Oh, and I like this. Um, so. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, I'll be fascinated to know what is included on your list of uh, 10. So we each came up with 10. That's right. I came yeah. up with a couple more, as I said, uh-huh. but I'm only going to say 10. Um, and we have uh, an alarm, a button that uh, we're only saying nice things here, okay? Yes. And if one of us, either of us, both of us, if an individual starts to say something not nice about the Wii U, we push this button, uh-huh. and an alarm, we assume, will sound. That's right. We, do, we, we haven't actually tested it. Well, no one has said anything negative about the Wii U yet. Oh, nor will they. Nor will they. You know, for fear of the button being pushed. Right. Okay. So, um, Mark, first of all, I just want to point out 
um, that the Wii U, saying 10 years old, right? Um, I knew you when I was buying my Wii U. I, yes, I remember. Our relationship is now the age of the Wii U, which is a decade. (laughs) Yeah, I remember when you bought your Wii U. Mm -hmm. In fact, many of the things I'm going to talk about, I only experienced... Because they either came to Switch, right, or I was at your house, right, experiencing the Wii U. I think you are maybe the only person. I, uh, that's not true, but like one of four, I could count them on one hand. The number of people I know uh-huh, uh-huh. that had a Wii U at the time. Well, numerous previous guests on the show have had uh, have yes. had Wii U's. Greg Smith, uh-huh. for example, Jeremy Schmidt. Um, that's two. Yeah, but I'm not saying, like, sorry, that I knew, like, at the time where I mm. would, like, go over I to see, their I see, house. I see. People that you have, have known, gotten to know since then. Yeah, yeah yes. Yeah, yeah. Many people that I know now have Wii U's because I've curated a good selection of friends. And we use a good litmus test. Yeah, that's or, right. Did you? I of course Wii U? would fail that litmus <laughs> test because I didn't own a Wii U. I think we. I think a lot of us, if we look inward, would fail our own litmus test for who we would be friends with uh, if we weren't ourselves. Does that make sense? It, I'm Does on board. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so look, we're only saying nice things about the Wii U. Uh, it will be up to the two of us to decide what is and is not a nice thing, right? That's true. Um, Mark. Would you like, since you found this to be an interesting exercise, would you like to go first? Yeah. So the first thing I have on my list is that um, while it may not have worked out this way, Mm -hmm. I do think that the continuity from the Wii as a selling point and like a value proposition was theoretically very good. Absolutely. So because... You know, uh, I can think of very few other consoles where the controllers that you bought for the last generation would continue to work. You know, um, which is also because uh, uh, the the your Wii remotes and Wii games still being useful was one of uh, the items on my list. The Wii remotes, in particular, is an especially good point because so much of the early stuff on the system was built around four or sometimes five player experiences sometimes asynchronous sometimes not but would require you to have all these controllers lying around which you did because you bought a wii seven years previous and could only play you know uh bowling or tennis with your grandparents by having four wii remotes you didn't have to buy those again yeah it was like taken for granted that people who are buying the wii u had a Wii, which was not, like, a bad assumption. Right, because um, everyone had a Wii. Yeah, and so it's just, like, it um, it didn't really work out, but it was a really interesting idea to be like, hey, here's everything that you have right now. It isn't – it's still it's totally not, valid. It's not garbage. It's not garbage. Like, yeah. you can totally continue to use it on this new system. Um, and – which, which, like, Nintendo also did from GameCube to Wii, right? Like, you could play all of your GameCube games on Wii, and it had the four uh, controller ports, like, right on the top of it, um, which I still, like, reflecting on uh, after the fact is crazy. It is crazy, especially because I guess, like, the difference between the Wii U and the Wii's application of it is the GameCube controllers were never really, like, the primary way that you interacted right. with the Wii. Um, but, yeah, with the Wii U, it was just kind of, like, taken for granted that you would have them. I was watching some of the uh, um, advertisements in North America for the Wii U, 
And so many of them are all about, it's like kids being like, hey, to their parents, it's time to upgrade our Wii to like the Wii U. Smart, but confusing. Smart, but confusing, which is kind of, uh, uh, well, I see your, my hand is hovering over over the the button, button, right? Kind of the Wii U's whole thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I do think that's right because you are truly not upgrading. You're getting a different piece of hardware. Um, which is capable of like so many different things. Um, but yeah, the, the fact that it could still play all of your Wii games, um, still huge. And like, uh, you know, the new super, there's a, a new new super Mario brothers game, four players, simultaneous five players, technically like, and if you have the Wii remotes, then you can, everyone can just jump in and play Like, um, it was built for that. Um, all right. Uh, so that, 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 that is a great point. It was one of mine as well. So I'm down to not having as many safeties anymore. Um, all right. Uh, I, for my first pick, Mark, I'm going to say stamps. The Wii U, uh, in the Wii U, Nintendo developed a meta achievement system that was persistent between games. Did all games use stamps? No. Um, did all games use the all games that had stamps use them in the same way? No, not really. But in uh, Super Mario 3D World, Mario Kart 8, Mario Maker, NES Remix, and a handful of others, you could collect these collect these little stamps that you could use in your Miiverse messages. Um, and they're little like black and white images of like characters or events from the game. Um, and uh, really, all you could just you could either display them in like your stamp book um, or uh, put them in these Miiverse messages. And I wish there was more application for them that you could have just like a player profile where you had them stamped around or even just like on your own home screen or whatever. Um, but like it's Nintendo's never done this uh, in any other game or in, in any other platform before where you can earn something in one game that you then use like outside of the game which is crazy yeah it was uh like you said like the stamp system was underutilized but it was a really interesting i i've always viewed it as like a take on nintendo's take on achievements yeah or like, like trophies or yeah. like trophies and it is uh interesting that they didn't apply it to all of their first party games that it wasn't right. because it feels like with a little more commitment, it could have become more of that. Uh, it, it ended up being kind of like a half measure, I would say. Yeah, yes. It de- definitely ended up becoming a half measure. Uh, my hand is... I know, uh, I know, I, I know. Just heading toward that button. <laughs> um, but like it, it, in the same way that like... Uh, the Miiverse was uh, ended up being a little underdeveloped, and it, again, it was, my hand is hovering over the button. Um, uh, that like, if that had been more robust, or if that's where people actually wanted to interact with each other, like I feel like the stamps could have been more of a. They could have just been more like centrally featured. Like if you could, if you could put stamps on like your Mii's shirt or something. Right. Like, you know, I, I I think there there are so many ways that like just using that little bit of customization. Like, it's just used so well in Splatoon, where, like, you can use the stamps as part of the, your graffiti, um, which then other people would see in-game. Like, it's just cool, right? Um, and I, th- there was something very satisfying about um, collecting all the stamps from a game and then, like, adding other stamps from another game uh, to this, like, ever-growing library of uh, teeny tiny achievements. Yeah, totally. I uh, wish, before we had started recording, that I would have looked up 
positive synonyms for negative terms because I feel like we're being mm. very uh, uh, careful with our language <laughs> right. as to avoid the big red button this well, week. Well, okay, if we let's uh, let's call a little truce, and if we ever need to say something negative, let's just say that I'm about to say something negative, and we both sit on our hands for <laughs> okay. like seven seconds. <laughs> Okay, I like this. Okay, I like okay, this. okay. Uh, so stamps is my is my first. I, I love that. So my second one is I feel like the Wii U had really great support for legacy games in a way that uh, I'm really you know like I enjoy the libraries that Nintendo has on the Nintendo Switch Online, but uh, I feel like I missed out by not having a Wii U and not being able to buy like um, the Game Boy Advance library yep in virtual console like it had a very strong virtual console plus you know if you go into wii mode you still had access for a lot of years to all of the virtual consoles on the wii shop that uh didn't make it over Mm -hmm. to the wii u plus you could play all of your wii games like we talked about like i feel like it had a really amazing library of like legacy games that uh I really wish I could play, for example, you know, uh, Metroid Zero Mission on my Switch. Right. And it doesn't seem like we're going to get that, at least anytime soon. I mean, who who knows, yeah, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, the, the, the virtual console on the Wii U is still up and running uh, at, at this point in time, at uh, the time that we are recording and that this episode is releasing. But for another four months, you know, like, it's it's shutting down in March. Um and you know, buying things on it right now is is difficult. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's crazy that that's the only place where there's uh, GBA virtual console games. The only place where there are DS virtual console games. You can't buy them on the 3DS, which is nuts to me. Um, but on top of that, uh, the Wii U virtual console also had Wii games on it. You could buy Wii games digital digitally. Yeah, that's crazy for the first time. Um, so something like the uh, Metroid Prime uh, trilogy. Um, a, a collection that became like a sort of uh, collector's item because it was so uh, rare to find like the physical disc of it. Um, you could just download on the Wii U. Sc- scarcity erased. Yeah, that's really cool. And all of the Wii games um, on the virtual console, 20 bucks. So like, uh, you know, a, a deal on top of uh, being something that uh, you can uh, buy in a digital format for the first time ever. Yeah. Uh kind of like a sidebar but it's kind of it's interesting that the virtual console only lasted for two generations because yeah. i think i think of it as something that was so like important to the wii era like it was such a big deal in the wii era but it um i don't know just i'm not anything specific to this but just uh notable as we're talking about it yeah i it the virtual console is one of those things that i think should be a part of nintendo's plan going forward um, and I wonder if there is any uh, relationship between the virtual console and the recent Nintendo partnership with DNA to improve the digitization of their business um, that uh, Nintendo accounts are going to amount to more than just uh, how you interact with your Switch, but possibly how you access these libraries on other hardware Um be it like uh, you know, like wh- wh- why can't I play Super Mario Brothers three on my phone? Um, I-, I should be able to if I'm subscribed to Nintendo Switch Online, uh, or you know whatever those those libraries are. Um, it just 
it, it, it seems like there, sh there should and could be uh, some way to access these classic libraries that don't like tie you to um, the current new hardware of, mm. of mm -hmm. Nintendo's. Um, Virtual Console in general was also on on my uh, list as well. Um, these aren't all going to be repeats. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't think. I don't think so either. Um, all right. Uh, for my second, uh, I'm going to throw out a little praise for the Wii U gamepad. Um, uh, the gamepad itself, Mark. I'm going to ask us to sit on our hands for just a moment. Please, so don't don't even look at the button while I'm talking here. <laughs> um, it sort of has a uh, a very toy like build, a Fisher Price sort of like uh, cheap plastic build quality to it. It doesn't feel like you're holding a cool piece of tech in your hand. It feels like you're holding a toy, and in some ways you are. Uh, but uh, there is also some very impressive uh, like wireless streaming technology happening with the Wii U gamepad. Most games you could play just straight on the gamepad itself um, and not be using the TV, which you know had its own benefits. Um, but the thing that always impressed me was that it was totally free of lag in my experience. So you're holding the controller and a display in your hand, but none of the computing that's happening regarding that game is happening in that machine. So I'm pushing a button, which then like that input gets uh, teleported over to the to the Wii U uh, console, and then it tells that game what I did. It tells the computer there what I did, and then it like sends a signal back to the gamepad. And it was always, it never felt like you were missing. It, like it was, it was like lightning fast remote play, and I never totally wrapped my head around how it was so latency free. Um, it's just a magic little thing that the Wii U gamepad could do that, like, you didn't see from anything else. Yeah, this was on my list as well, because the technology behind it, even at the time, everybody recognized that it was really slick what Nintendo was able to pull off. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm sorry if I took one of your ten, then. <laughs> no, that's okay. Uh, my next one mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and talk about one of my favorite features of the gamepad, and that's that Mario Kart 8 had a honk button wow, this on is, the gamepad. This, this is great. I love this. I, I love that we're n n no one's even looking at the button right now. <laughs> I, I, it, al it always made me laugh. Mm -hmm. It always brought me joy. Uh, you know, uh, there were... What, what, why don't you explain it? Okay. Yeah. So, so um, you know, Part of the gamepad, the idea behind the gamepad was like this asynchronous gameplay and or at least being able to have uh, two screens kind of at the same time while you're playing the game. So this was put to great effect in, I think, like the Zelda remakes that appeared on the system because instead of having to open a menu to switch items or anything like that, you just, like had, that, it right there in you front just of you. had it on the gamepad. But not every game had perfect utility for the gamepad, and so well, and uh, an important part of this uh, the screen in the gamepad is that it's a touchscreen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It has a big old capacitive touchscreen right there in the center, and uh, uh, on Mario Kart Eight, there wasn't a ton of use for it. They put like the um, uh, kind of like the race order on the left hand side, and so in the center was just a big red just button, a big button that you could press. And it would make your uh, your horn honk. 
Which, look, man, if you're not honking your horn in Mario Kart, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. It just, it, uh, it's very satisfying. It just makes me laugh. I, I, I always loved it. I, I, I love that so much. I think it's the perfect application for the gamepad in Mario Kart 8. <laughs> um, I'm going to sing the praises of, of, of another piece of the gamepad for, for, my, for my third uh, pick here, uh, but sort of indirectly. Um, I'm crediting the Wii U with Amiibo. Um, I know Amiibo were also compatible with the uh, 3DS, but only if you had that little like uh, hockey puck uh, thing or a, a new 3DS. Um, but Amiibo were clearly developed to be like a, an at-home thing that you had with your uh, Wii U. Uh, they were rolled out with um, Smash 4, uh, Super Smash Brothers for um, Wii U. Um, and uh, the the Wii U gamepad had the uh, built-in like NFC reader, um, which was an aspect of the controller that they didn't really talk about as they were rolling out the Wii U. Um, but then when Amiibo came around, they were like, "Oh yeah, by the way, this thing can always read. Um, has this like near-field uh, communication reader writer in it." Um, and Amiibo were just a cool uh, like a, a a way to. Um, basically play the Toys to Life game that uh, so many other people were playing at the time. But in a Nintendo always had like a different sort of ideology with how they were used and what they were making in, uh, Amiibo out of. Um, and, you know, I, I just picked up my Splatoon 3 Amiibo from Best Buy on my way over here today. Uh, there's, it still has a place in my heart, even if I've never really uh, squared my relationship with Amiibo. Uh, you got to trace them back to the Wii U. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, one of the things on my list is the QB Amiibo from <laughs> Box Boy, which would not be possible without the Wii U, right, like you're saying, right. and is maybe... The perfect amiibo, but we need to. We may need to revisit Ooh. that as part of like an episode or something. Okay, so there are 190 amiibo. <laughs> Let's rank them. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the. I do think that um, it's a bummer to me that Nintendo, as they got out of the Wii U era, that they stopped um, messing around with uh, making amiibo like a a sort of like catch all thing like there they you know there there was the um Mario versus Donkey Kong um game that was all all, all amiibo based they did a thing called uh, greatest hits greatest bits something like that um where uh you could scan an amiibo in and then play like a couple minutes of classic games um and uh like you when you scan it in amiibo it unlocked one of these games that you could play uh, like different vertical slices of um and then that amiibo was from then on always tied to that game um so like uh i i tried it again today just to like you know mess around with it i scanned my diddy kong amiibo and i got to play the original metroid for a little while like okay yeah like fun kind of cool if then i was interested in uh actually checking out the game there's a link right there for me to buy it from the virtual console of course um so like those kind of things the the fact that super mario maker had all of the uh amiibo like 8-bit transformations um every single amiibo that they put out for uh smash brothers 4 um was uh an alternate costume that you could unlock in mario maker um that's something that didn't come back for super mario maker 2 uh yeah it's just it's just so it's such a like wide net that they cast for like the functionality of the amiibo um and like was it perfect no um but like 
I just I wish they could have stuck with it, you know? Yeah, you know, and I felt this way about when we were talking about virtual console as well. It's like, on the one hand, I recognize that nothing lasts forever and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they're not going to support these things forever. But the it feels to me like now that a, a lot of Nintendo first-party games continue to have Amiibo support, but it feels, like, perfunctory. Like, it doesn't feel yeah. like it has the creativity and... This is we don't need to worry about the red button because this is not a negative thing about the Wii U. No, this is just about Nintendo in general. <laughs> it just feels, you know, like uh, there's nothing wrong with the amiibo functionality now, but it doesn't feel like it is as creative or as um, like uh, joyful as yeah, it was totally. previously. Where like sometimes it'd be like zany or um, the amiibo that they would put out would be kind of like interesting or weird or yeah, it's like yeah for Detective Pikachu, it's giant. That's just right. what we're doing. You're like right. the yarn Yoshi. And I. Uh, so well, and that, that was also the promise of the Amiibo too, that I feel like that didn't live up was like, uh, they said early on that Amiibo could be anything. Right. Right. And uh, like in the end, it was really just like these action figures, not really action, these little figurines um, and the cards mm-hmm. and really like, that's sort of it. Do I have an Amiibo? That's a cereal box. Sure. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Sure. I do. Do I still have it in my house? Absolutely. <laughs> Was that the Super Mario Odyssey, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's I right. totally remember that. Um, a delicious amiibo uh, it, when you scanned uh, scanned it an Uncle Amiibo or whatever that uh, little robot's name was. Um, yeah, I, I feel like they they could have gone harder uh, and gotten to weirder stuff. Um, or more varied stuff. Like I, I was thinking, like it'd be fun to have like a, a pint glass with uh, the amiibo thing, uh, in it. Uh-huh. like or you know something that you would actually use. Um, I was thinking about how cool it would be if uh, you know your um, NES controllers for your Switch were also uh, an, an amiibo. Oh, that would be cool. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. just just like any anything anything could also be an amiibo. I think technically it's back to you. Oh, because, because uh, yours I, is also okay. Uh-huh. So that was so that was my third, your fourth. Yes. So this is my fourth. Um, I gotta go with Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, um, a nearly flawless game uh, that has been ported over from the Wii U to both the 3DS and the Switch, uh, and made inferior by both portings. Um, the best place to play Captain Toad Treasure Tracker is on the Wii U. Uh, and partially that is because you have this like separate, uh, you know, gyro uh, controlled screen in your hand for some of the like first person segments where you're um, throwing uh, turnips and stuff. You can still look at the screen and see where you are uh, in, in all of that. Um, and that was really necessary to solve a lot of those those puzzles. Um, but what a delightful, adorable game. Um, just the right mix of like puzzle and like having to execute things, you know, quickly or uh, on a schedule. I just love Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. And what a great character. He's, Captain Toad's he's so, so good. good. And the game is so cute. It's so cute, Mark. <laughs> My uh, num- fifth this is five for one you, yeah. mm-hmm. is uh, Miiverse. So Miiverse on the Wii U and the 3DS, super fun and would be awesome on Switch. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't... So Miiverse on the Wii U, like when you booted up the Wii U, all the little Mii's came like running in to uh-huh. the center. And, you know, they had like thought bubbles with uh, drawings that somebody had done or just like... Uh, using the stamps. Using with the stamps, like all that kind of stuff. And... I don't feel like that application necessarily needs to uh, or needed to carry over to the Switch because, you know, with the Switch, Nintendo took a really kind of like pared back um, 
directly to business sort of approach to Mm -hmm. the UI. But it feels like to me that, especially because I know so many people now, partly thanks to this show, that who own Switches, that having like, it's fun... You know, it's nice to be able to see what people are playing and uh, what they added like a couple of updates ago where, you know, you can see what games people recently started and like right. all that kind of stuff is like nice. But it it would be really fun to have that sense of community with people that I know on the Switch. And I am sad that they got rid of it because... Well, because Miiverse also had a thing where you could like like posts, right? right? Um, and so they would get sort of more like circulated, you know, outside of the the actual social network as people were uh, uh, thumbs upping them or liking them. I forget exactly what the uh, uh, the functionality was. Um, but so, yeah, you would see like cool things that people had drawn or like put together with stamps. And it was just cool. And yeah, you- it's like a weird little like uh, Nintendo social network. And yeah, that sounds really appealing to me. And it's uh, yes. d- kind of like disappointing that that has gone away in this new era of Nintendo. The thing that was so cool about it was that you it could be something that you interacted with outside of games or uh, within games. Like Splatoon had the functionality where, uh, you, which Splatoon uh, 2 and 3 also do too, um, where you can just like see those things floating over people's heads or as graffiti in the world. But you could also um, get messages from Miiverse in uh, Wind Waker that they were just in bottles. Uh, oh, that's like fun. floating around in the ocean. Um, and, uh, oh, I had another example in my head, but they, 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 they would just showed up. Like there were all kinds of places where these little Miiverse messages just existed. Um, and like, that's an incredible like integration of a, uh, a social network thing. Like, I, I wonder if, cause you know, the, the, the switch now can post to Facebook or Twitter, um, and, you know, when that came out, everyone was like, yep, that's exactly what it should be doing. It's it's good that you can now post directly to, to Twitter. Um, how much longer is that going to be relevant? <laughs> right? Like, these things don't last forever. Right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it, it may be a little weird to, like, kick around Miiverse, which doesn't exist anymore, um, when, like, uh, you know, Twitter may be uh, not just the short-lived, but also uh, finitely lived. Yeah. It just feels like, you know, with Switch, they... With the 3DS, it was such a delight to, to uh, the rare times that I would, like, have my 3DS with me. I'd be going through an airport or something, yeah. and I would, you know, get the notification that somebody else with their 3DS passed me. Yep. And so I have, like, a new visitor in my Miiverse or whatever. And uh, it was just because I didn't have my 3DS on me that much because I didn't travel that much. Like, it was um, such a rare occurrence. But... I just feel like so many people have switches now. Yes. That it's just totally. like it was just a you know, neither the 3DS nor the Wii U were like quite right for a system like that. And if it had just been able to hold on yeah. to the Switch era, I think uh we'd be thinking about it much differently. Yeah. I mean it, it's funny how many of these uh features uh would work so much better if only uh everyone in the world had one of these things <laughs> and now they have that with the switch and those features aren't there yes um which you know uh you know what are you gonna do um mark i have no concept of what number i'm on i think you're on five i think i don't know okay my i'm i might be on five i might be on six we're just gonna go through everything that's on our list right <laughs> yeah yeah we're not gonna not say some of these things uh okay uh next i'm going to say nes remix 
um, NES Remix Volumes 1 and Volume 2. Uh, the first one of these dropped uh, sort of out of nowhere was like a fun, crazy surprise that they were taking NES games and uh, taking just the most interesting beats of gameplay from like a dozen or so uh, NES games and presenting them as little micro challenges, sort of WarioWare style um, for you to play in a row. And then like you clear it in a certain amount of time and you get bits, bits become um, stamps, which, you know, you're collecting overall and you unlock more games that way. Um, and so they made two of these things and it's just like the coolest thing ever. Um, you know, in addition to seeing like individual awesome moments from these classic games, which in and of itself is an incredible service, right? Um, that they also did things where it's like, oh yeah, you play this level from uh, Metroid, but you're Luigi from Super Mario Brothers 2. Um, and like really messing with the like sort of physics and worlds of these things. Uh, it's just like they they went in and kit bashed a bunch of old NES games and uh, just gave you tiny little hits of serotonin uh, and so fun and so fast. Uh, and I can't believe these games aren't on Switch. I can't believe it. Yeah, it, it's so weird to me. They, I guess they were on 3DS or yeah. a version of it. There was, was a, a collection on 3DS. Yeah. Um, that yeah, doesn't have all of it. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, with all the Wii U games that have come over to the Switch, uh, it's for me as somebody who didn't wasn't able to experience these in full. It's disappointing that uh, the NES Remix games haven't made it over either. Um, it's just conceptually one of the coolest things I can imagine. Like, um having that sort of like both reverence and irreverence at the same time is, uh, uh, is awesome. I can't think of like another time that like a company has done that. My next pick, I also am giving up on them numbering them. <laughs> we'll get around 10. I'm sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, is the soundtrack to Donkey Kong country tropical freeze. Ooh, this is such a good pull. So I love Donkey Kong country tropical freeze. Um, I, but the soundtrack, I don't know why, but it really has always impressed me. Mm -hmm. So my first experience playing it was with you for the show and we played a lot of it in co-op and, um, the, uh, I don't remember ever experiencing a soundtrack that it on a platformer that worked exactly like this. I think of, you know, like, uh, a lot of platformer soundtracks as being a music cue that's on a loop. Um, but the way that it works in Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze is it treats each level like a theme park ride, mm -hmm. basically. So, like, the music changes uh, as you hit certain, like, marks. You know, the music will change appropriately. So, yeah. when you're on some of these, like, minecart levels or, like, the swimming levels, it really does feel like a very, like, cohesive experience. And the, it, um, more like a movie, more cinematic, because the music is changing to like what is happening in the level right now so like the uh it'll pick up pace you know um or when, it'll add instruments or whatever yeah yeah it's just uh it's a very very cool experience plus the musical the music itself is very catchy and beautiful um Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze an amazing game with an incredible soundtrack I got a shout out the composer of course David Wise um uh, just a, a a, a, an absolute gem of a of, of a score uh, for Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Um, Mark, I, I like uh, I like you comparing it to like or the the individual levels to a theme park ride because um, it makes me think of the speakers in the like car in um, 
Space Mountain that like the soundtrack travels with you so that you're hearing the right music at the right time in the track. Yes. Um, that's how that's what playing uh, Tropical Freeze feels like. Yeah, it's so like you're on Space Mountain. Yeah, I really can't think of um and I would love for others for there to be other soundtracks like this, but I just can't think of other examples where it's hit me quite like this. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's just so seamless and good. Um all right, uh for my Next pick, uh, I'm going to go with Super Mario Maker. Um, Super Mario Maker, of course, we got a sequel to it on the Switch, uh, Super Mario Maker 2, um, which had more features. It had a whole uh, additional skin, um, and you could do, you know, uh, like slopes and stuff. Um, but there was they're never really coalesced around Super Mario Maker 2. The community, and maybe this is really the thing that I'm shouting out here, is the community of Super Mario Maker players and makers that, um, and maybe this is all coming out, uh, you know, it's sort of like the rise of um, like Twitch streaming, or I, I, I don't know what the special sauce was, but there was uh, such an active and fun community around playing hyper difficult levels um and uh making them and the whole game is just so cool and you know i shouted out earlier the um 8-bit transformations for all of the uh amiibo that came with super smash brothers or worked with super smash brothers um it means that there you could turn mario into you know like 90 other characters it's just it's just incredibly cool loved super mario maker um i i got it the day it came out which uh uh, was a September 11th. I don't remember the year, but it was a September 11th. You better believe. Um, and it came with like this cool art book uh, that had like uh, design documents for the original Super Mario Brothers in it. Um, and all these like levels uh, drawn out on graph paper was just a beautiful little product uh, and something that I'm going to keep forever uh, and just uh, always treasure my time with it. So this one, this next one might be a little bit of a cheat. But it I'm is... looking at the button. I'm okay. eyeing, I'm eyeing right. the button right. right now. Well, it's not. It's not negative. Okay, I just okay. don't. I just don't know if we can uh, prescribe it exclusively to the Wii U. Mm-hmm. But it's the year of Luigi. What a gift yes. 2013 and True. early 2014 were. Um, you Doctor Luigi. <laughs> and it feels like it feels like the year of Luigi was born out of. I mean, obviously, obviously, it was celebrating the 30th anniversary of Luigi's existence i sure, guess sure but um it, it lasted for like 16 months <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it feels like it was born out of uh a otherwise like like a marketing initiative um perhaps to paper over uh a lack of content available on mm-hmm. i know i know i know <laughs> available on, uh patrick was lunging for the button but available on the nintendo 3ds and the wii u and yet as far as like marketing promotions go what a fun one. Pretty good. I mean, yeah. honestly, like, to take... Because you could do, like, a year of Mario. Boring. You could do a year of Link. Fine. Whatever. A year of Metroid. Like, we would be excited. But, like, whatever. These are nor- these are normal ideas. Year of Luigi? Some freaks at Nintendo <laughs> were like, we're doing this. And then they did it. I Yeah. Like, and I feel like, uh, at least in my consciousness, um, this was around the time, like, Mario Kart 8 where Luigi really started to have a lot of 
personality. Oh, interesting. Like, um, you know, like uh, uh, we of course had Luigi's Mansion on the GameCube back in two thousand one, and where Luigi is a noted coward. <laughs> but um, you know, during the year of Luigi, uh, Luigi's Mansion two released. Which was kind of a surprise that that game existed at all, right? And uh, in Mario Kart Eight, you know, th- there was so many the memes stare, out yeah. of like Luigi's like death stare. Like I feel like he kind of uh, it just felt like the time was right to celebrate Mario's, you know, like uh, right hand man. Um, and the uh, I mean the the other sort of like initiatives from Year Luigi are uh, Mario and Luigi Dream Team, right on on the the three DS. Uh huh. Um, which your first 3DS famously My was. My only 3DS, only 3DS yes. was uh, the 3DS XL, like the special edition that uh, had like the Dream Team medallion on it mm-hmm. and um, the uh, digital copy of the game included. Um, but a version of Dr. Mario called Dr. Luigi uh, with L-shaped pills. Um, a pers- and new Super Luigi U yep. DLC for a new Super Mario Brothers U. And sold as a separate disc as well. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it is... I wish they would do that more. Like, give, give give me a give me a year of Ganon or something. <laughs> I mean, Tingle is obviously the the right. Oh one man, year of Tingle, that'd be so good. Woo! Thirty uh, years of Tingle. <laughs> uh, when that won't be for a while, right? No, uh, Majora's Mask is two thousand. Oh, is it that late? Yeah, I guess it does make sense. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. Mark, great pick. Uh. Trying to decide what to do with my next pick. I'm just going to pull this Band-Aid off now. Um, such a huge part of the Switch library, including Breath of the Wild, Super Mario 3D World, Mario Kart 8, Bayonetta 2, New Super Mario Bros. U, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, uh, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, Pikmin 3, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, Hyrule Warriors, Pokémon Tournament. Oh, geez. And that's not even counting the, like, Splatoon 2 is basically more Splatoon, but just on a different platform. And Ditto Mario Maker 2 is just Mario Maker. Like, so much of what we love about the Switch, you could have loved about the Wii U. You could have done it. Yeah, I mean, the I, I feel like that is the general consensus on the Wii U, looking back on it. Yeah. Is that the games that it had were very good, but Nintendo just wasn't in a place to be able to because it was trying to support, is trying to like save the 3DS, right? Support the Wii U, and it and no one else was supporting the. This is not a saying something negative. No, about it. no, these are just facts, right? And so they kind of had to like triage. Plus HD develop. This was Nintendo's first time moving into HD development, which all the other uh, developers had gone through those growing pains, and it was growing pains the previous generation, but yes. Nintendo was attempting to do it for the first time. So it's like, yeah, Wii U, amazing library, but it was spread over so much time. So it was yeah. just like spread thin. Yep, yep, yep. Butter well, over too much bread. And so I'll, I'll actually kind of piggyback off of that for my next like nice thing about the Wii U, which is, uh, it's like, I'm in hovering, a way, I'm hovering, over, hovering, I'm hovering over the button. You're hovering, but hear me out. Yep. Uh, it kind of like it was nintendo eating its vegetables to be able to get to the switch i see yes like i agree with this uh, uh, obviously nintendo did not go into the wii u with the intention of it just kind of like failing you can say that i'm not pushing the button (laughs) yeah like um but it bought them time to Mm. like internally revamp and consolidate its development structure 
um, really get into place, you know, these building blocks for a hybrid console. So all of the Nintendo's development is focused on one platform, um, which was has been really transformative for the company. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, a, as a, like, transitional period, um, super successful, right? Like, you just look at a Switch and, like, you see the Wii U gamepad uh, or you see what they learned from the Wii U gamepad uh, and, you know, again when i'm not pushing that button but like what mistakes they uh chose not to make a second time um like they somehow learned all the best lessons from the wii u yeah uh all right my next pick and i i, I wish we hadn't lost out here uh i'm gonna i'm gonna do this one now zelda hd remasters um we got both the wind waker hd and twilight princess hd uh games on the Wii U, they're like the definitive best ways to play both of these games. Um, both the both games look great on the the Wii U. Twilight Princess maybe a little less, just because like there's some graphical disparity between like what got improved and what didn't. Um, it was easier uh, to sort of make universal changes on uh, Wind Waker because it's just like a change to the lighting system, uh, and so like all the textures and you know it's it's got that cartoony style. Um, but regardless of uh, how well either of them improved uh, visually, um, there's just little gameplay things that make both those games more palatable, less repetitive experiences. Um, and these are both, you know, world-class games already uh, that just had some fat that needed to be trimmed out of both of them. Uh, Mark, you mentioned the, uh, the uh, menu on the gamepad, uh, having, having your inventory there. It's a total game changer. It's so good to instead of pulling up a, a start menu, just looking down in your lap and like, you know, picking the bottle you need or, you know, whatever. And all with a touch screen. Like, that's something that I love about the uh, 3D remakes of uh, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. Uh, and it's kind of a bummer to me that like that era is now done and gone and over. Yeah. Where's that horn button on the Switch? Where's my horn button? Yeah, but it could also be like a nice inventory yeah. thing. Um, and then, of, of course, I have to shout out the uh, Wolf Link Amiibo that came with, or I guess maybe it didn't come with every copy of Twilight Princess, but it came with mine. Um, and uh, you could scan that into uh, Twilight Princess in a like Cave of Ordeals or something. I forget exactly what it's called. Uh, so that you could then summon that same wolf into uh, your copy of Breath of the Wild, which is insane and super fun. This is my last one. Okay. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead and claim that this is number 10. <laughs> uh, and so my final, my final like, nice thing about the Wii U is that it gave us the Splatoon franchise, which is, um, you know, I remember going over to your house and playing Splatoon because I was, I was aware of Splatoon when it was announced. I was aware of, like, the um, discussion around it before the game launched because now the Splatoon franchise is huge worldwide yeah. and uh it, we just like accept it as a thing but at the time like nintendo's entry into team-based you know like online shooters there was a lot of we'll say skepticism around splatoon before it was released but i remember playing it at your house and it uh it felt it feels like new the start of like new nintendo yeah like a uh almost yeah, it, it has such like a different feel from other Nintendo franchises, and yet it retains the DNA of what we like about classic Nintendo games, 
um, that sense of like fun, gameplay first, cool worlds, you know, like all of that, uh, it maintains it so well. And yet it feels like it's doing something new. And I, I felt, I feel like looking back on it, that's such a, a positive sign about the future of the company creatively that uh, they're able to kind of like create this thing that feels completely different from anything else Nintendo has done or does, but also uh, retains the elements that we like of Nintendo so much. Totally. Well, and I think it's, you know, uh, Nintendo innovates within their own franchises a lot, um, but we don't really see too many like new, new series from them, right? Like what, like what new, new series have we gotten on, on the Switch? Like ARMS? Yeah. Like, is, is that it? Technically, Sushi Strikers, maybe. Don't you don't do that, Mark. <laughs> you don't have to say that. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean to to see uh, both um, Splatoon and uh, Mario Maker, which I, I the, for me that that's another one that is so like um, unique. And yes, it's Mario, but like just having that such a robust um, you know level maker uh, in there, um, it feels like something gen- genuinely new. Uh, and fun and exciting. So yeah, I I think it it does show um, a Nintendo that is like at their creative heights, right? Um, and yeah, Splatoon I I feel like is gonna be around for a a, a very long time. Uh, I had Splatoon on my list as well. Uh, so will this be my last one? Yes. Um, this will be my last one. A, a, an unsung, uh, often forgotten feature of the Wii U. The gamepad could control your TV. Oh my gosh, that's right. So you could do everything from your like entertainment center, including like you could have it speak to your cable box back when that was a thing. Um, so like you could, you just like ran everything from your gamepad. Um, that it was like a remote control. Uh, so you could, you know, cruise through the channels. You could turn the TV on that way. All of this stuff sounds like totally mundane uh, now, um, but that was not like a normal thing for you to be able to do, right? Um, like now when I turn on my PlayStation 5, it wakes up my TV and just like, you know, starts that. But the Wii U, uh, I could turn the TV on with, with a gamepad. I totally forgot about that. And like being able to like switch to cable and all that kind of stuff. And yes. uh, strange that both Nintendo and Microsoft came to this at the same time because the yes. Xbox One, also when it was originally it, yeah. announced, was like uh, was positioned more as like uh, your home entertainment center center that also plays games, like the nexus of your living room, right? With Connect, you know, being used as the primary interface for your TV. Yeah, man, what a what a kind of like weird time for yeah it was games it was just weird because like as that functionality was growing on both these platforms like the use of tv like your tv service as like your main like hub of entertainment like was just going away you know um then like they, they were just like ships in the night almost um because like you know i i watch very little on on live tv now um and you know we don't have cable or anything it's just like whatever we pick up on the satellite um you know when we want to watch jeopardy uh we we can do it that way um but yeah like there was definitely a time where it's like oh yeah of course we're gonna subscribe to cable of course we're gonna like watch tv and stuff um and it was just neat that if we wanted to 
the whole thing could just happen from from the Wii U gamepad. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. I uh, I do not think this is the reason why PlayStation Four was so successful, but in, <laughs> but interesting, the PlayStation Four kind of like, yeah though like did not do that. It was right. just like it's all about games. Whereas both the Wii U and the Xbox One consoles that struggled were yeah. trying to be trying to be more. Right. Well, and like trying to be more almost in like different directions. But like, yeah, it's just uh, it is interesting that like to acknowledge the other piece of hardware that you necessarily have to uh, engage with, um, that it makes the whole thing kind of less attractive for some reason. I guess people already you already have a remote controller, right? Yeah, that's that's probably the issue. And maybe just like the wrong audience. For yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, that, that's probably right. Um, okay, did we do 10 things, uh, 10 positive things about the Wii U? Uh, I think it's possible. I think it's possible that we I did. I think we did at least 10. Oh, it, together? Or individually. We will never know for sure. We will never know for sure. I also just want to uh, mention that the new Super Mario Brothers U and Luigi U on the Wii U um, is uh, unique in that it has the mode where one player can just add platforms for the other players to, the to jump pad. around on. Yeah, using the gamepad. Again, that gamepad, uh, they maybe didn't, like, cash that check frequently enough, but, like, when they did, it was cool. And doesn't uh, Super Mario 3D World also have, like, gamepad functionality similar to that? Something with, like... There was some functionality in there, and now I don't remember. I played that game from start to finish on the Wii U twice, uh, and I can't remember now. Because I've also played it (laughs) twice on the Switch. Man, what a game that is. I'm also going to shout out Super Mario 3D World. Um, Yeah. All right. Uh, Mark, those are the things that we think are good about the Wii U. Uh, If people have uh, things that they loved about their Wii U that we have not mentioned, uh, what can they do with that? information you can email us email us at nintendo cartridge society at gmail.com or hit us up on twitter or join the discord and uh tell us what we left out all right mark let's close this out That is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and can review podcasts. If you like the episode, you should share it on Facebook or Twitter, any place where someone might notice us. Uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at NinCart Society. There's also a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Anthony DeLuca made our logo, and our theme music is provided by 8 Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8 or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for listening. <laughs>